myself a little bit with the introduction, introduction to my message. There was a television show, a game show, many years ago. I was alive, but I was just a wee thing. So I never saw it. I only saw reruns later in life. And the, the, the name of this television show was To Tell the Truth. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm not the only old person in here today. To Tell the Truth. And there were three people <coughs> claiming to be the same person. And then there would be a panel of about three that would ask very pointed questions, <coughs> trying to reveal who the real person was. And of course they knew, they would say, the, 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 it's, the person is, you know, uh, whatever the name was. And you've got to, they, the, the panel had to determine who was the real, let's just say John Smith, uh, CEO of, and they would tell what he was or she was. And so they, then they would begin to ask these questions. And at the very end of that, each of the panelists would choose, I believe it's number, number two, person number three, whatever. And the host of the game show would say this. Will the real, say it's John Smith, please stand up? And then who, you'd, why, you know, and see if you guessed it right if you were watching the show. And the real, whoever that was, would stand up. My message is titled today, Will the Real Church Please Stand Up? Stand up in this hour, be seen and be heard. In a nation where so many leaders of the institutional church, and I'm speaking about that, the church, I'm talking about mainline Protestant denominations that once championed the truth of the gospel, have now taken a knee, have now bowed down to cancel culture, transgenderism, critical race theory, abortion on demand, and almost every other evil that is being celebrated by a post-Christian culture. And I'm not talking about politics or political parties. The sin is in the church where bishops and those in robes and collars rewriting sacred text, redefining sacred traditions and, 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 and uh, long-held-to biblical standards um, as, they, as the Word speaks to moral conduct and, and social living and life, etc. So I came asking the question today, will the real church please stand up? Will the real pastors please stand up? Will the real prophets please stand up too? Will the real apostles in this hour please stand up? And will the real saints of God please stand up? So many are bowing at the altars of Baal, bowing down to compromises that are lethal to the capital C church. In a nation and a world where so many in the highest levels of Christendom are rewriting sacred doctrines and holy creeds to make sinful lifestyles acceptable in God's sight. They are exchanging the truth for lies and promoting as holy doctrines of devils. Will the real church please stand up? And as... The fake church continues to be exposed. And it does continue to be exposed. The real church will also begin to rise. And the first time, and I want us to look specifically at 
the word church. Because if the real church is going to stand up, we better be sure we understand who, what, and who is the church in this hour, in, in this time, since the days of Jesus. The first time the word church appears, let's read it together. Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19, the first time we see the word church in Scripture. And I tell you, Jesus speaking, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Back to verse 18, on this rock, on the rock, who Peter? No. And that got so confused, didn't it? On the rock of the revelation, Peter had just said, you are the Christ, the Savior, the one, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, on that revelation, on that rock, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not, translation say, prevail against shall not overcome the church or conquer over the church. It is the church. Let's continue. More correctly, maybe it's not so much what but a who, and I think that's where we've gotten really confused over the ages is, is uh, categorizing the church as a what instead of a who. Apostle Peter defines the church this way, 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Something's going on with the microphone. Is that correct? Honey, would you hand me that microphone, please? That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous, wonderful light. Verse 10, 1 Peter 2. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So what is the word church? What does it mean? It's from the Greek word ekklesia. Maybe some of you have heard that word before. Which simply translated means called out ones. Called out by Jesus. Called out of what? We just read it. Out of darkness into his marvelous or wonderful light. And I think where we have really gotten in trouble, church, capital C, worldwide, is that we, again, we viewed and understood the church as what instead of who. The church is not a building the church is not a meeting place or a meeting room. The church is not a corporation with tax-exempt status. The church is not a physical address. When we, the called-out ones, gather in any place, in any time, that gathering is an expression as well as one of the functions of the church. Acts 17, verse 24, very clear. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. There is nothing holy about this building and this address. 
until we, <laughs> the ecclesia, gather in this place. And then it's all holy because he is here. When Jesus said he would build his church, without question he was speaking of a body of people who would exercise spiritual authority and go into all the world and disciple nations and extend his kingdom across the earth. These people will bind demonic forces and loose individuals from their control. We just read that. These people will extend Christ's kingdom authority through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the power of the gospel by teaching and demonstrating the principles of His kingdom. This people, the ecclesia, the church, the true, the real church, would reject any and every agenda, any and every suggestion that would challenge the truth of God and His word. My friend, when it comes to two men cannot ever be married to one another and that be accepted in God's sight, you do not need an ecclesiastical meeting of the highest denomination in America to sit and have a round table to discuss any of that. And yet that's what many of them have done or are doing. Let the real church stand up. And bind demonic forces and loose individuals from the control of evil. We have the authority of Jesus. Let the real church stand up and demonstrate the kingdom of God in the public spaces of life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. A continued, another description of the real church that I love. Starting in verse 2. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. Now he's writing to a church, a congregation. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war in the, as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We don't negotiate with them. We don't hold round tables. We don't call the council together. We seize upon every lie, every accusation, every thought, every idea, every suggestion that would challenge the truth and the knowledge of God as revealed to humanity through His Word. That's another description of who the church is. The real church I mean, you see, there's an urgency in that. We demolish. You don't lightly demolish something. You don't, you're not careful if you're out to demolish something. You demolish. There's a violence in that, an urgency in that. Take captive, seize upon, cast down. The real church understands that this is a warfare that we're in. And the real church embraces this fight that, yes, sometimes is waged violently. But the real church will prevail. This is the church the gates of hell will not prevail against. In other words, this is the church that will win in the end. This is the church that will inherit the kingdom of God. This is the church that Jesus said would be his bride. 
It was time for the real church to get noticed in this nation and for all the right reasons. Not the politically correct church, not the milk and cookies church, not the socially acceptable church. Because let me tell you something, the real church will never be socially acceptable. Never. Not the anything goes church, not the virtual church either, but the real church. Because that is the church that Jesus said would prevail over the very gates of hell. This is the church, the Bible says, is a glorious church without spot or blemish or any such uh, 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 impurity washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we are members of that glorious church real church. I said Acts 2 Worship Center is an ecclesia, a group of called out ones. I didn't say we're perfect. I didn't say we're sinless. I didn't say we're the only real church, but we're one of them. We're not right on every issue either. But we are those who have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. And we walk as children of that light. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? That God's Spirit dwells in your midst. And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. Mm, wow. For God's temple is sacred. Now, not this building, not this address, not these chairs, not you. You are sacred before God. This temple is sacred. It's where the Holy Spirit lives. If anyone destroys it, God will destroy the temple. For God's temple is sacred. And you together, when we come together, we make up an, a, 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 a community temple, if you will. The Holy Spirit dwells among us corporately when the ecclesia gathers. When we gather, when we gather. We sing that song sometimes. When we gather, there's power, there's presence, there's healing. When we gather, we the church, when we gather in one place and in one accord for one purpose... We are His people. We are His children. We are His body. And the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, 4, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all of us and through all of us and in all of us. The real church is a part of this one body, one spirit, one hope, under one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and has one God and Father of, a, one God and Father of us all. And if there's anyone in here who isn't clear, this, that is the goal of every gathering that we have here at Acts 2 Worship Center. That is the goal, that we will be a people of one body, one spirit, one Lord, an assembly, and a group of called out ones, of one faith, of one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over us all, through us all, and in us all. And when we gather like that, 
This place can be shaken by the power of the Holy Ghost. When we gather like that, the very atmosphere should be electric just like it was today with the presence of an all-powerful God. And in that presence, sin is not welcome. Sickness is not welcome. Fear is not welcome. Addiction is not welcome. In that presence, doubt and unbelief are consumed by the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. I see the day that when we gather in this place as the real church, sinners who enter into our meetings will run to these altars crying aloud, Jesus, save me. Addicts will be instantly sobered and saved. The blind will see and the deaf will hear. Agnostics and atheists atheists will be convinced in a moment that Jesus is real and ready to redeem them. What you thought was impossible, God will make possible in a moment. And these things can happen when we gather with that understanding that we are under one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one God and Father of us all. And what is that? Unity. And when the body of Christ comes together, when the real church gathers in unity, there is nothing that is impossible in the atmosphere of that kind of gathering. Hallelujah. Nothing is impossible. Now, we the real church... We don't live inside this building and we don't gather like this every day of the week. Most of our lives are in the public spaces of life. Well, let's, let's read a little bit about that. 2 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, or any and every false idol or God? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God, you, temple of God, and idols? For we are the temple, we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, now that's part of who we are as the ecclesia. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I have, I've preached this more than once over 30-something years, but let me just remind you again. God is not saying through the Apostle Paul, come out from among people and separate yourself because they're unclean. <laughs> How in the world do you think we would ever reach anyone with the gospel of Jesus. And Jesus' life, I mean, I don't have time, but it's very clear. He was accused of being a sinner and a, you know, whatever because he mingled among sinners in order to reach them and to win them. No, Paul is saying, come out from among what? Idols. He just said, what fellowship does the temple of God have between I, uh, with, with idols in verse 16? And we are the temple of the living God. We're to come out from among the idols. Touch no unclean thing. People aren't things. You don't call a person a thing. Now, I'm saying that because so many... I grew up... I grew up in a generation of Pentecostalism 
that taught that mean we were to be a separate from all people. Don't rub elbows with them. Don't mingle with them. I mean, I grew up in that old Pentecostalism of the South. And we believed growing up, thank God, He has set me free. And He's shown me the light. But we believed growing up that if you went to a Southern Baptist church, you weren't even saved. That's how crazy traditions can be handed down. God is saying, though, yes, we don't mingle among unclean things, idols. Now, you know, I could list, make a list. You know, anything that's in front of God in your life. Uh-oh, that's right. Anything that's in front of God, doesn't have first, or if He doesn't have first place, if something else has first place. And he says, come out from among them. So when it comes to unbelievers, we live among them, yes, but we are not of them. We are together, but yet we are separate. We are never to emulate them. We are to expose them to the truth. We are sent into every public space as salt and light. We, the real church, are hope among the hopeless. We are life among the lifeless. We are... Light among the darkness. We are givers among takers. Ooh, I ask God every day to give me grace to deal with takers. We are truth tellers among liars. We are holy among the unholy. We mingle among them, yes, of course. Why? To be ready to give a reason of the hope that is in us. We are not ever to isolate from culture we are to permeate culture I mean haven't we learned a very hard lesson recently just how dangerous isolating from society and culture can be many ended up losing their lives from the deadly side effects of having been isolated too long church we who have an immunity against sin and death we're the herd now maybe everybody didn't get that we who have immunity because we're washed in the blood of the lamb we're the herd that must mingle among them. We, the church, the real church, has the herd immunity that people of the world need today. We, who are washed in the blood of Jesus, we don't come into this place to get God. We don't come into this place to find God waiting for us here. If He is here, He came in with us. We bring God with us to this place so that the unbeliever, the seeker, will find Him here. Hallelujah. Because where two or three, there's many, many more than that, gathered together in His name, there He is in the midst of that meeting. And let us be sure that when we gather as called out ones, that we do, of course, gather in His name. The real church. Please stand up. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19, the Apostle Paul continues to define the ecclesia, the real church. Consequently, you are no longer 
foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building is joined together and rises, rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I'm talking about the real church. And Jesus said of the real church, the gates of hell would not prevail against her. The gates of hell will not prevail against people who understand the Spirit of God lives in us, people who understand that we are called and sent into darkness to bring the light and the hope of Christ. People uh, individually or collectively that are out in the public spaces of life being light and salt among those that are in spiritual darkness. I want to go back to Matthew chapter 16, our, one of our text verses, and verse 18, and again, It says, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, the revelation that came out of Peter's mouth, I will build my church and the gates of Hades of hell will not overcome it. Gates. Hmm. Gates. I want to look at that just a little bit. The significance of that word, gates. In ancient times, biblical times, When the text was written, cities had walls around them and gates that would open and close to control access to the city. They would regulate commerce at the city gates. They would, there would be judicial representatives at the gates. The elders of the city would gather at the gates. Taxes could be paid at the gates. Legal disputes would be settled there. Representatives of the king's court would meet at the gates. The gates were key to the defense of the city from enemy armies. Peace treaties were signed at the gates. Decrees and proclamations would be announced at the gates. Capital punishment would often happen at or near the gates. So when Jesus says the gates of hell would not prevail against the church, he meant that no laws or codes of hell will prevail against us. No lies, accusations, no representatives of hell will prevail against us. Nothing that hell trades in. Nothing that hell spews out. Nothing that hell is peddling. Nothing that hell is promising. Nothing that hell is producing. Nothing that hell is predicting. Nothing that hell's gates represent shall prevail against us. Hell's decrees shall not prevail over the real church. Hell's representatives shall not prevail. Hell's lies shall not prevail. Hell's justice shall not prevail. Hell's commerce shall not prevail against the church, the real church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even, yes, sometimes the kingdom, the church suffers violence, the scripture says, and sometimes we have to take things by force. Don't you ever ask the devil to give one thing back to you? That he stole. 
Let that sink in for a minute. I said, don't you dare ask at the gates of hell for the devil to give you something back that he stole. And don't ask God either. Because God will tell you, I don't have it. I gave it to you. Uh-oh. Hmm. You march up to the devil to the gates and you take back whatever he stole in the name and authority Jesus gives you. Some of y'all did that during worship. Some of y'all did that. You don't ask the devil to give your peace back. You go, if he stole your peace, and you take the peace back from the devil. If God gave you a gift and it's yours and and his word makes it clear that it's yours, joy, peace, prosperity, blessing, whatever, health, and and you don't have it, it's gone. The devil, God didn't take it back from you. God doesn't give you peace and take your peace back. If If you've lost peace, the devil stole that peace. Don't you dare ask him for it. He'll never give it to you. You go and you you take back what the devil stole in the name and authority of Jesus. That is one of the functions of the ecclesia of the called out ones that we walk in the authority of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 19, again that second verse from our text, talking about the gates of hell will not prevail in the very next verse, I'll give you keys. No, there's a direct relation there. Gates need a key. What does a key do? It opens, unlocks, and or closes, locks. (laughs) I want everybody to get this word today. I'm standing here before you declaring to you that any door, any gate of hell that may be open against your life, take the key Jesus says you have, slam the hell's gate shut, lock it behind you, and don't look back. Hallelujah. No gate of hell, because you have the key to shut the gate and lock it. Yes, the gates of hell will open against us. That's not what Jesus said. Gates of hell will come against us. Gates of hell will mock the church. Hell's gates will tempt the church. Hell's gates will attack the church. Hell's gates will accuse the church. But none of hell's gates will prevail against the real church, the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, we are in the final hours of the final days before the return of Jesus. There's no denying that. These are the days like Noah and Lot where everyone, even those wearing clerical robes, are doing what is right in their own eyes. Rewriting, again, holy texts, holy creeds, sacred doctrines based upon what is right in their own eyes. Deferring to the wisdom of this world which we all know is demonic. They're calling evil good and good evil all while wearing a collar. Let God be true and every man a liar, even if that man's wearing a collar or a clerical robe. Even if he has the title bishop. Because God shows no mercy, no mercy 
to pastors, prophets, priests, bishops, who are supposed to speak for him, but end up speaking for themselves. Those who say God said when God did not really say, tread on thin ice with God. The day will come where that ice will break. God will thump it and it will break from under them because his word is strong. His rebuke is so very strong for those that are supposed to speak for the voice and be the voice of the real church. And they're speaking their own feelings, their own desires, their own opinions, and changing historical practices, doctrines, even dismissing holy text as passed away, expired, <clears throat> inapplicable to today's society. Let the real church stand up. And it starts with you being sure you're a part of the real church. Never assuming that in, in the crowds that gather here. John 10, verse 7. Jesus says again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. <clears throat> All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Remember what gates represent. Jesus is our gate. At the gate of Jesus, there is healing. There is provision. There's forgiveness, there's peace, there's joy, and there's justice. At the gates of hell and the gates of hell, though there are many, will never prevail against the gate of the church who is Jesus himself. Hallelujah. Folks, when the real church stands up, the real church will get noticed. <clears throat> and all that is happening now, when those that as those that claim to speak for the church and speak for God continue to be exposed for their evil and for their compromise, it is only causing the real church to begin to emerge and to rise. There is a church in this land who has not bowed their knee to Baal or the prophets of Baal. The world will notice that. The world and the world's systems, the gates of hell, and all of the gates of hell systems are not big enough to cancel the real church, the true church, the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell are not big enough to prevail against us. And in this season of all seasons, may the real church, the group, this group of called out ones, this ecclesia, be known. May we be known for love, known for giving, known for compassion, known for the sacrifices that we make, known for preferring our brother uh, over ourselves, known for our benevolence, and most of all, may our testimony of, our, of the Savior be known to all who know us. But you see, it all starts with the gate of your heart. 
Yeah, my heart and your heart also have a gate, a door. Jesus stands at the gate, knocking. Revelation 3.20. If anyone hears my voice and opens the gate, opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. So I said all of that to say for somebody in here today, swing wide the gate of your heart. Let the king of glory come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Jesus is his name. Let the real church, let the real church, please stand up. Amen. Would you bow your heads? I want to speak to you. If you've not opened that gate, you control that gate. Jesus doesn't say he's going to just bust down the gate, come charging in on you. He's, but he might be knocking at the gate of your heart today. You have to open that gate and let him in. Is there anybody in this room and you're not, you've not ever done that? You've not opened the gate of your heart and let Jesus in. Would you raise your hand? I just want to see it. You've not opened that gate. God bless you. Would you raise your hand? Anybody? Anybody else? Anybody else? Open the gate. It all starts there. You can attend and come into this room every Sunday and not be a part of the real church. And if you're not, you'll find that the gates of hell are prevailing against you. But if you know that you know that you know that you've opened wide and swung wide the gate of your own heart to let Jesus in, then the gates of hell will never prevail against you. Hallelujah. Can we stand together? Holy Spirit, bear witness in this moment as you do that we, the ecclesia, the called out ones, have the victory in this life. We have the keys to unlock and to lock. Lord, we can lock every gate of hell that has opened itself against us. Lord, I thank you for the victory you've given us. That we are out there with keys, locking and unlocking gates so Jesus can come into people's lives. No gate of hell will prevail against the real church, capital C, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that reality. That's the truth. That's the truth. Let the glory of the Lord rise upon the real church. That glorious church. That powerful church. That overcoming church. That free church. The real church. And I thank you, Lord. Lord, that is my prayer. That is my declaration over these people today. As we've gathered, it's one body, one Lord, one spirit, one faith, one baptism, under one banner, Jesus and him alone. Nothing's impossible. Mm, thank you, Holy Spirit, for who you are. 
revealing daily to us how powerful Jesus is. As you live in the temple of our heart, that's the temple, that's the building, not this structure, that's the building. And Lord, let us be so mindful every time we walk in here, we are bringing you with us, Lord, so that the unbeliever, the seeker, will find you here. Hallelujah. That is the goal of every gathering that we have. Thank you, Father. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name Every stronghold shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every strong. go out of here with that fire burning. Amen. The fire of the Spirit burning in you. God bless you today. You can be dismissed in the presence of the Lord. And notice I said be dismissed in the presence of the Lord, not be dismissed from. No, 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 because he goes with us. His fire is burning in us.